1: I'm a Democrat, I support the President of the United
3: States, and I advocate for things that are actually affecting the black community.
4: Oh my God, welcome to Race Hustlers, part one, Candace Owens, let's go. Welcome to fraudsters. I'm Cena Gaznovy at CNL on all social media. Justin Williams is here with us at Justin underscore Williams underscore comedy. And the amazing, funny, and incredible co-host of fraudsters that was joining us again for this series uh, on race hustlers. Ariel Lieti at Ariel Lieti. Welcome back.
5: Thank you so much. The ultimate race hustler herself is back. (laughs) I'm here. You don't even know what I am, and that's okay.
4: Yeah, we don't. It's a part of my own hustle. I'm not asking. I'm not getting canceled. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Are you Egyptian? No, we're (laughs)
5: going to- Could be, though.
4: Could be, right? Some of my best friends are Egyptian. Yeah, you know- uh, the, the the leader of this network, uh, at least one of the the trifecta of this network, Henry Zebrowski, would kick me auditions because he's a successful actor. And the thing that they he would say to them is, "Yeah, you should put Cena in your thing. Put any flag behind him, and no one will know the difference. <laughs> Blend yeah, right yeah. in." So yeah, that's my
5: whole vibe. Yeah,
4: never
2: C- Cena, but plays. Uh, uh, he's like that. Uh, What's that? That one guy? He's from like New Zealand, but he plays like every Mexican gangbanger. Like I don't he's know. he's he's the lead guy. He's the lead gang, uh, Mexican gang member in Training Day, but he's actually from New Zealand. <laughs> oh, <is that> right? <laughs> yeah.
5: I don't know that man. That's hilarious. Yeah, he yeah, plays all brown me.
2: people. Yeah, he plays all brown people. <laughs> but, but he's just he's just like Maori. <laughs>
5: Oh, man. I get why you asked me to do this this time. I understand now.
4: (laughs) This is it. This is why. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Race Hustlers. Candace Owens. Wow. I mean, normally I'm like, should we do Candace Owens? I don't know. But this one, I was like, yeah, let's go. Ariel's going to guide us through Candace Owens. I've got some clips for us to play that we'll jump in with. Uh, Justin, this is, you know, this was your idea. Um,
2: Candace and I used to date. (laughs) And it went, it didn't go well. (laughs) And we went to different places in life, and this podcast will be my revenge.
5: <laughs> she said she did not want to date black guys anymore.
2: Yeah. 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 She said white lives matter. And then yeah. that was
4: the, well, the only that's thing it. she texted me. And was <laughs> was, I guess we're broken up with now. I guess that's
5: it. <laughs> she sent you a t shirt, and you did wear it, though, to be fair. So,
4: yeah. <laughs> uh, so, why don't we just jump right in? Candace Owens, Ariel, take us through it.
5: Well, the thing about this, too, is it, it's going to be news to me as well, you guys, okay? Whenever they ask me to do these podcasts, I'm like, oh, I know everything there is to know about abortion. I know everything there is to know about Candace Owens. I did not know a lot of this stuff. So come with me on this journey, everyone.
0: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
1: Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts.
5: Candace Owens, the rise of political correctness and some level of accountability for racism in the post-civil rights era made it harder for white people to publicly express anti-black opinions without engaging in dog whistles. This created an opening for black far-right commentators who say anti-black things to white audiences. The most ironic form of affirmative action ever. The most contemporary version of this is Candace Owens. She was born on April 29th, 1989 in Stamford, Connecticut. And she's a controversial black conservative author, talk show host, political commentator, and activist. She rose to fame as a pro-Trump black conservative around 2017 when she began posting pro-Trump YouTube videos criticizing structural racism, systemic inequality, identity politics, the Democratic Party, the Black Lives Matter movement, and feminism.
4: And also French fries. Why not? She hated French fries. <laughs> the sun fries and coming up over the, the horizon. She hated that as well. <laughs> the system wasn't racist enough, I guess.
5: It's the system.
2: Covering all the stuff. But, but what's always great about these race hustlers, right, is like, um, yeah, we'll see a little overlap between like Rachel Dolezal and other people is that whatever they currently are, uh, we go back to it. We always find that they were the opposite at one point uh, because I was they were just say like that. they're literally, yeah, they're literally probing around, just like looking for an angle. You know, and <laughs> it's not even right wing Republicanism. I don't, I, I don't, I don't think that's actually even. Is that unfair? Is that unfair? I think to that's the actually unfair. Yeah, because she's not saying anything about policy. She's just like black people are savages. Like that. that, <laughs> like, those,
5: that how did that happen?
2: <laughs> yeah, that's not like a policy position. Like even a right wing guy is like, I'm against the Federal Reserve. Like Candace Owen doesn't have any ideas about that. So she's just like women should be slaves to a man. <laughs> they they won't say this. The liberals won't say this. But a woman's place is at a man's feet. <laughs> Only a white man's feet, by the way.
5: Oh, man. Is this just the ultimate code switching? Is that what she's decided? Oh, yeah. <laughs> she just decided this is who she is now.
2: Oh, yeah. Tell them, tell them who she was in 2007, though. That's what it Oh, is I will.
5: Right so in February 2007, while Owens was a student at Stanford High School, she received three messages from a group of white classmates, repeatedly calling her a racial epithet, referring to her as dirty and threatening to burn her house down and tar and feather her. Okay. The ringleader. (laughs) That's very like
2: old timey. Yeah. It's very old New England. Yeah. It's Boston Tea Party.
5: That's what I'm saying. We're the same age. This is not from like the 70s. This is from like 2007. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's not funny though. Racism is not not, funny. It's not funny.
2: (laughs) We'll tar and feather you as like a little John and the East Side Boys song is playing in the background.
4: (laughs)
5: From the window. to
2: the tar. <laughs>
5: <Seconds>. <laughs> so the ringleader of the group was reported as being Evan Kopek. Sounds racist. A former friend and <laughs> classmate of Owens. So according to reports, two days before the racially charged hate messages were left for Owens, she got into a shouting match with the main perpetrator, Evan Kopek during class. One of the other boys that were involved in the messages was Sam Malloy, who's 14 years old, son of then Stamford mayor. Daniel Malloy, And Daniel Malloy would later go on to serve as the 88th governor of Connecticut. So Malloy and Kopick are the only two out of the five perpetrators that have been publicly named in this attack. Kopech was suspended for the incident, but Stamford Public Schools refused to discipline the other boys for an incident committed off school grounds, unless the police made an arrest. This gained attention from Connecticut's chapter of the NAACP, and later two arrests were made in March over the case. Owens reported not attending school for six weeks over the traumatizing incident.
4: This was very sad, and it was upsetting. But then, you know, looking through a lot of her clips uh, and her speeches, this is a thing she brings up all the time. And she spoke at Liberty University, which, by the way, we'll get to a little bit later, with Jerry Falwell Jr. doing the introduction, which is, I mean, it's it's beautiful. Anyways. He, so so he took a break from his cucking to do an interview. Yeah, <laughs> I shouldn't shame. It, I, that that yeah. yeah, that's yeah not not king shame. That's not I'm funny. Not that's shaming. not yeah, yeah yeah. We don't want to. We don't want to cuck shame. We don't want to yeah, cuck yeah. shame.
2: If anybody yeah, wants yeah, me yeah. to do some cuck stuff, I'll do
4: it. <laughs> You'll <Okay>. be cucked. <laughs> no, I'll be the. Uh, never mind. The Go ahead. Go ahead. What? What? <laughs> All right. Well, listen to this. She. This is her at uh, Liberty University talking about. Another aspect of it. So she gave a little bit more context to this story, and I want to hear what you guys think.
3: It turned out by some random stroke of my own misfortune that I did not know, as I had said, three of those people in the car. One of those three people in the car that night that left me those messages happened to be the current Democratic governor of Connecticut's son. And instantly, this case was elevated in my face a high school senior was splashed on the front pages of every newspaper in Connecticut and in New York calling me a victim a victim of a hate crime that's a really 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 heavy word a victim of a hate crime it turned out that one of the kids in the car was a former friend of mine and I used to hang out with him and a group of my friends all the time and and once I got a boyfriend, I did what most girls do, and I just wanted to be with my boyfriend and he was hurt. And one night he got into a car and he was drinking and with three people that I didn't know and they decided to leave me these voicemails. Now, of course, because a politician's son was involved, the FBI had to get involved to trace the origins of the messages because nobody wanted to come clean and say that they had left them. So I went from watching Talladega Nights to being a front page cover story, to being called a victim, to having everyone in my high school and in my town <laughs> debate whether or not the messages were real
5: why the FBI Wait, investigated so we'll it. Wait, so I just
4: stop there before we play the rest of this. It is, do we
5: really believe she was watching Tally Day Good Nights? That is no, really... Well, I, I, I weren't thank you. I do. Why did she bring that up? That's I do. so specific.
2: It's very specific, uh, but also it's, it's, this uh, is completely at odds with her congressional testimony. Her congressional testimony said that no one cared that she was a victim of racism. She she's oh, she's, yeah. she's 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 cha- she's changing the narrative of this event for whatever audience, right? Yeah. So when she wants to say that uh, you know Democrats don't care about racism against Black conservatives, which was her like her message at that congressional rally, she says they ignored it. But here she's saying they actually made such a big deal of it that she never wanted to be a victim because she doesn't believe it was actually racist. She's actually like, it's but, weird. She's like rationalizing it, but emphasizing that one of the perpetrators was a Democrat at the same time. It's like, it's like it's
4: a lot of mental gymnastics going on here. There's a problem though that I have with it, because like I it resonates with me to not want to be objectified as a victim. And that yeah. part, like I I can connect with. I mean, that's like literally this, this very similar scenario happened to me after 9-11 where a teacher said something racist to me the student in the class that I didn't know went and told his mom and his mom told the principal. And then that's how I ended up in front of this teacher. And he had to apologize to me in front of the principal and the vice principal. And it was super embarrassing. And so there's a part of me that I could see where she's coming from when it comes to something like this, because like you'll hear she ends up having to like deal with this like investigation For multiple weeks. What strikes me is that this seemed like it was an issue with her friend that she was, I don't know, close with. I don't know what was happening. But something's there that I don't think we're also not getting from the story as well.
2: Yeah. Well, and it's also – I get it. You don't want to be objectified as a victim, and that's totally fine. But then that's also at odds with accepting the NAACP's uh, help with a lawsuit that ends in a monetary
4: settlement. Exactly. Exactly. so, yeah, It's
2: all this is all over the place, you know? And it's just like, yeah. it's, it's, it, it very much reaches of, of someone who's going back to, in their own history because they know that lawsuit record exists and that the yeah. MLA-CP was part of that and trying to uh, rewrite history to, for her current biography.
4: And let's listen to the rest real quick.
3: Of course, after the FBI included their six-week-long investigation, they determined that I did, in fact, receive these messages from these men. And six weeks later, all four of them were arrested. The youngest person in that car was only 14 years old. And then, of course, after the entire world was debating it, reading letters to the editor where people either called me a liar, a hero, a victim, um, it was over, just like that. The press was over. They were ready to move on from the so, situation. So, like, I can see
4: where... She got fired up from this and used it, you know, and we'll find out some more about how she, you know, some other moments in her childhood. But it seems like this was a very specific moment that she's been able to mold into whatever she's kind of wanted for a while. Because um, yeah,
5: according to our research, she did not. Ha- the people did not get arrested, and also her name splashed in every newspaper. And I don't know. I didn't hear about this story. It's probably news to everyone in the audience as well.
2: It was uh, yeah. It's also the exact opposite of what she says in the introduction at that congressional testimony. She says literally the media ignored it. That that yeah. was like that was yeah. She's like the liberal media didn't report this at all. Uh, so it's people... either yeah, yeah. It's you, you got to pick one way or the other. You got to pick one. Yeah. You don't
5: have to. Not if you're Candace Owens, you don't have to.
2: No, you just say whatever. Yeah. But I'm I'm waiting for what is the dismount here? So the dismount is going to be. I know it's Liberty University, so I know racism doesn't exist, right? So no, I'm just waiting to. I'm waiting for like that, like for it to come around to that. What do you mean
4: the just, what for in her speech?
2: Yeah, in her speech, like right? That's going to be like, that's like the message of this. Like, why is she telling this, this story with all
4: of these details? Oh, she's giving, yeah, she gives this context in a bunch of her talks when she gets up. And she was giving the convocation, which, by the way, can you tell me what that is? Isn't that like some sort of religious opening speech or something?
2: Liberty is so great because if it is, if it is supposed to be, you know, it's a religious institution, and if this is supposed to be a religious ceremony at all, and they have Candace Owens speaking, it just shows you, the right? It's just like that church is just a political organization. It's nothing oh. religious. Like Candace <laughs> Owens is not supposed to be speaking at a religious ceremony. Right. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I went to high school in Lee Summit, Missouri, and not Lee Summit, Missouri of today. Like twenty years ago, Lee Summit, Missouri where it was just like the first black people were fleeing the Kansas City school district. Yeah, this is very tame. But I was but I was always prepared for all of this though like culturally. So even when I look back now I'm like, man, that was super messed up, but I was just like my threshold for racism was so high. Uh, like little stuff, like like the, what what she's describing here that traumatized her. Like, yeah, I'd be like, that wouldn't have traumatized me because I was actually having like I don't know multiple encounters with the police. Yeah, okay. so I'm like, so are this you, is not. Are, so are you guys okay. yeah. doing
5: like um. Trauma Olympics right now? Are we saying like we yeah. had a worse time than Candace Owens? Is that what's happening it's not,
2: here? It's not it's not trauma Olympics, but what I would say is that it could be uh it could be three things to me. One thing is that this is traumatizing for anybody and it should be, and we're not like not meaning to diminish that. Number two is that she was raised in an environment that was actually like uh you know Maybe, you know, a lot of people move their black children to places and where they're like, well, they won't have to face these things there. So she never had that kind of cultural programming, right? Mm-hmm. And then the third thing I think is like maybe this also kind of gives insight to – uh, her character, like her character, maybe this was traumatizing, but not to the degree. Maybe she saw it as like a way to like actually then like utilize it in the way that other race hustlers have in their past. Like this is maybe this is the beginning of a pattern, right? Mm. It's like mm. uh, I I I knew somebody who used an incident, like somebody said something to her, as a professional way to actually not uh, fulfill her professional responsibilities for the rest of a semester of an academic job, mm. and it was clearly like she just
5: didn't want to go to work. Mmm, interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you you might be on to something here. All right. Well, she didn't go to school, and then uh, <laughs> <laughs> she still go <going> to school. <laughs> she was like traumatizing. Sorry, won't be going to school this month, babe. Um. So, Candace and her father, Robert Owens, filed a lawsuit against the city of Stamford, Connecticut, for violating the federal Title IX rule banning discrimination in schools. On May twenty fourth, two thousand seven, the suit alleges. That the school system has, quote, continued to do nothing to protect Miss Owens from repeated harassment and intimidation by the young men and their friends. In November 2007, Kopek pleaded guilty to being a youthful offender. He was 17 at the time of the attack and had the case sealed. He faced charges of first-degree harassment and second-degree intimidation by bigotry or bias. I didn't even know they had degrees. Interesting. (laughs) However, since the case was sealed, he has no criminal record up until that point in time. It seems as if he was later arrested in 2010 for drunk driving in his hometown. Hmm. It has not been reported whether Malloy's son was charged with the incident since he was 14, a juvenile at the time of the crime. And on January 2008, the lawsuit was settled and Stanford schools agreed to pay Owen's family $37,500. According to the settlement agreement, the Board of Education quote, denies all claims of wrongdoing and settled the suit, quote, to avoid the cost and expense of a litigation. So this is kind of
4: interesting, right? Because like when you get into the juvenile system and you have a father that is in politics, usually it doesn't even get this far. And so I'm not surprised that they settled out of court because then you could seal it. No one can open it again. The terms of the settlement are never disclosed. Uh, so this doesn't surprise. But I'm, I think the thing that probably happened, and I've dated some girls in Stanford, so I know Stanford pretty well. It's like a small town. It's small. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And everyone kind of knows everyone there. So I think it really was just like, let's just brush this under the rug to a certain extent and, and get rid of it.
5: What if she's just been a hustler all her life? What if this was the beginning of a hustle? That's you know what I mean? The- like, if there's just a, a little light racism. I mean, we've all, like we just said, we experienced a little light racism. You know, of tar and feather <laughs> situation. And now she's like, Dad, let's call the NAACP. Let's get a couple. Let's get a couple thousand dollars yeah. under our belt. And so now what? She's got thirty-seven thousand dollars from Stanford. Yeah. Not there bad. You go. That could be the beginnings of a little a light hustle situation.
2: Yeah. Well. But yeah, who am so- I? But she, believe, she believes in racism. She believes in being aided by the NAACP at this point, right? So mm-hmm. keep in mind for our listeners, remember our Race Hustler series, remember Rachel Dolezal was at historically black Howard University as a white student. She sued Howard University for anti-white discrimination before she decided that she was a black person and started mm-hmm. getting resources from that. So just keep in mind, like the, the people like this, you can see them kind of using race to play both sides of the fence when it's convenient for them. No, it, it, does, it doesn't. It does it's, it's just like it's just like the caveat of like the civil rights movement right is that it's like 99.9 percent of it is addressing structural issues and then there's somebody like this who uh can then use it to their own advantage right it's like any other sort of movement right
4: it's always like some sort of level of corruption in any movement right yeah yeah
5: oh candace so, she then attends the University of Rhode Island probably with that $37,000 until <laughs> yeah. her junior year when she had to drop out over issues with a student loan. She was pursuing an undergraduate degree in journalism. She goes on to work as an intern for Vogue magazine in New York in 2010. Ooh. She leaves around 2012 to become an administrative assistant for a private equity firm in Manhattan. In Manhattan. That. Mm-hmm.
4: Wow. I mean, already right there. Vogue and private equity. You are now speaking high society. You know how these generally tilt toward conservative Republicans are, Mm -hmm. how they talk, what it's like to be at the country club. Stanford is like boat shoes, pants with those whales on it. I mean, Mm -hmm. she is, you know, integrated herself within – that kind of social class so it doesn't surprise you that she started seeing a really very different look on the world and how she could maneuver it i think
2: yeah and and it's also that same private equity firm vogue magazine that's the same sort of circles that actually anna delvey's gonna be trying to put Mm -hmm. herself into Mm -hmm. yeah it's the same exact groups of people yeah
5: oh we're uncovering a lot here yeah she's a hustler Am I even mad at her? I don't know. So her first foray into politics was as CEO of a company called Degree 180, a now defunct left-leaning marketing agency that offered consultation production and planning services. This company also had a blog on its website that Owens contributed to. She frequently posted anti-Trump content, comparing him to Hitler and speculating about his small penis size. Know-
4: <laughs> I'm glad she took her, her journalism or what was left of her journalism degree and put it to some really good use. <laughs> I, I, like, I
2: like it because uh, I, I like it. I, I just have this uh, image in my head of Candace Owens as like uh, like an urban black female comic talking about like little dick. Little <laughs> Trump. You that. know Trump got a little dick. I bet you I bet you if I cough it'll pop out <laughs> <laughs> Little Q-tip dick having ass Trump. This is Candace Owens.
1: You know my booty
2: too
5: much. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> so oh. stupid. Uh- <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. I don't like this at all. (laughs) My booty too much. That was her catchphrase. (laughs) She was noted as posting left-leaning takes on this website until late 2016. So this is recent. Unfortunately, the website was shut down around December 2016 and has been removed from the Internet. Oh, my goodness. In 2015, she wrote a column on Degree 180 called, News Update, The Republican Tea Party is Led by the Mad Hatter. The column says that Degree 180 launched an official full-scale investigation into the batshit crazy antics of the Republican Tea Party. Owens goes on to write, The good news is they'll die off peacefully in their sleep, we hope, and then we can get right on with the obvious social change that needs to happen immediately.
2: The rhetoric is actually kind of interesting, though, because it is the same level of rhetoric. It's the like the party needs to die in its sleep. It's like that kind of language, you know, is like uh, is not good to well, she's for, like, talking like,
5: like a corny boomer Republican on Facebook. Like, did she start that kind of speak? Do you know what I mean? Like the way that she's writing is so like ugh, I think I
2: think. Remember Daily Coast when that was big? Yeah, she's trying to be one of those people, like where it's like I'm a liberal blogger, but I think what she found out, right, was there was no audience for that because it was like who, like who represents the Democratic Party during this period? It's like Obama, and Obama's yeah. like actually we should uh, tone down our rhetoric and listen to everybody. <laughs> and uh, if there's a white person and they've got some bad ideas, you gotta go uh, talk to them, let them know, give them a book, let them read the book. <laughs> Have a beer with them. <laughs> have a conversation. Have a beer with them. Yeah, invite them over. That's what we do. So yeah, there's no there's no appetite for that talk uh, uh, on the yeah. on the left, which is why uh, like Air America Radio and all that shit all crashed and burned because yeah you know
0: BP added more than seventy billion dollars to the U S economy in twenty twenty two investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy.
2: Like liberals listen to NPR. We want, the, we want mm. that nuanced
5: take. Right. We don't talk like the Babylon Bee. So we'll talk a little bit about Social Autopsy. So it's a website that launched its Kickstarter campaign on April 12, 2016, and noted that it was a women-run tech startup that focused on wiping the internet of cyberbullies and trolls and exposing them.
2: Ooh. Ooh, girl this power! Crazy.
5: <laughs> yes, very girl boss. Yes, yeah, the campaign yeah. raised a total of four thousand two hundred forty-four dollars <laughs> with a seventy-five thousand-dollar goal. <laughs> no one wants a girl boss. Throw that away before yeah. it was suspended by Kickstarter two days later because the tech startup ended up toxing. <laughs> Wait. So yeah, it's so it's hard crazy. To-
1: Wait.
5: Okay. This is funny to me because we're wiping the internet of cyber blues and trolls, but it ends up being suspended by Kickstarter because this tech startup ends up doxing dozens of people on the internet, which is illegal and violated Kickstarter's terms of service.
4: Wait. So yeah. So check this out. So I looked into this, and it is fucking bananas. The way that it worked. Was, well, first, let me just play you the intro theme from the intro (laughs) from her uh, Kickstarter because it'll give you a sense on it.
5: I'm very
1: excited.
3: Hey guys, my name is Candace Owens and I am the founder of SocialAutopsy.com, the first ever search database that aggregates people's social behavior and creates real profiles for them. So what we do is we attach their words to their places of employment and anybody in the entire world can search for them. What we are doing is figuratively lifting the masks up so nobody can hide behind, you know, Twitter handles or privatized profiles. So <laughs> yes. that is the most
2: Orwellian, that crazy feels like, yeah.
5: <laughs> it feels like you have to sign a, like something off on that to say like yeah i approve you using my likeness and my address and my they, place of business and the way they went about doing it this is what's crazy they decentralized basically
4: how people sent things in so it wasn't like they scoured the internet for them no they had people take a screenshot of the person's profile and what they said send it in with this like form and then <laughs> <laughs> and then they would post and make the profile of the person, and so Incredible. I'll read a little bit more, but I have I have so several more clips around this that are bananas, including a, an FAQ she did that really gives us uh, some great insight into this company. And she's this is really when she starts really showing everyone that Going she's full of shit.
5: I wonder uh, if Candace Owens was a barb, because barbs do this on Twitter every day. Um, Nicki yeah. Minaj fans will find your address and, <laughs> and say where you live and work <laughs> yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and show your face. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe Candace Owens is a barb.
2: And, and it's a lot of overlap here, like uh, another race hustler, right? This is uh, Candace Owens uh, experimenting with the Sean King social mm. justice Kickstarter mm. hustle, of being like, you want to change the world? Give this weird thing money that will never <laughs> yeah. materialize.
5: <laughs> yeah, but at least he gets more money. Well, because he's a man, he got a little more money. Because this the girl boss thing is not working. We'll give you four thousand dollars and kick you and off they, of Kickstarter. Because
2: even the milder version of this was, remember that website? It, it didn't last long at all. Where you could actually rate men at, at, as far yeah, as yeah. our dating. Yes. I, I had a profile in there. What was that called?
5: I don't remember what it's called.
2: It lasted for like a second.
5: I'm Justin.
2: And then immediately guys were like, yo, take my name off of this. Like the um, (laughs) F-Boy Association got some lawyers together and got that website. like They got that. Yeah. And like that that
4: website lasted like a year tops, you know.
2: You know what? Men Um,
5: do work together. End of the day. Y'all work together.
4: Yeah, we, we <laughs> unify when it, to when tear it down
5: something beautiful.
4: Yeah, yeah. we want to if we want to abridge the rights of women or like get guns together. We can really <laughs> rally. We can
5: you rally. At the end of the day, you rally. So yeah. Owens ended up gaining public criticism for other online bullying activists, including Zoe Quint, a video game developer who joined forces with activist Randy Harper to create online abuse prevention initiative in 2015. So Owens proceeded to harass Quinn and Harper for their public criticism of her new platform. <laughs> it's so Days crazy after its launch.
4: <laughs> she used she used her anti-bullying platform to bully ga- the GamerGate. She was like the tip of the spear for
5: GamerGate. It's wow. fucking crazy. Incredible. <laughs> be best, be best. The interactions happened from at least April 15th, the day Randy Harper wrote an open letter to Social Autopsy on the blog, medium until at least April 18th. The harassment mainly occurred via Social Autopsy's Twitter, at Social Coroner. Candace Owens, through Social Autopsy, began openly harassing Quinn and Harper for their involvement in the (laughs) harassment campaign, Gamergate, (laughs) of which they were targets Zoe Quinn noted to getting death and rape threats, extensive harassment, and was doxed. Social autopsy took the public stance that the harassment never occurred <laughs> and that Quinn and Harper were profiting off the claims that they had been harassed. Not unlike Candace Owens when 2007 happened and she yeah. was saying that she got text messages that were harassing her, but okay.
2: Yeah, and it's also, it's also the same argument that Candace Owens is going to use to uh curry sympathy when she makes a rightward turn, right, is the idea that black conservatives are discriminated against because they don't mm. think like the rest of black people. Even though it's actually because uh, you know, for the most part that they engage in like anti-black rhetoric. It's like nobody's nobody's like protesting Condoleezza Rice or like yeah. Colin Powell. Cause they're not like going around like saying George Floyd deserved to die. <laughs> you yeah.
1: know what I mean? Yeah.
2: But that's it's fair. but it's that but, but it's that same it's that same rhetoric of actually I'm the the victim here, right? Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and I'm engaging in bullying at the same time. Yeah.
5: Pretty incredible stuff. It's unknown how this feud between Owens and the game developer and activists began, but Owens <laughs> credits it to the fact that she believed Quinn and Harper sent racist hate mail to social autopsies help email through spam emails with pseudonyms with no actual concrete evidence they were behind the messages.
2: Oh, so she believes in anti-black racism here. So mm-hmm. she, she still believes in that. Okay.
5: And there's no concrete evidence that these two girls had anything to do with it. But girl, girl power. Yeah. Um, it is unknown as to when Social Autopsy became defunct, but from the start, it was not a popular organization.
2: Do you guys want? You guys were on Social a- Autopsy? It was just I didn't like even know like that existed. E-bombs world. Yeah. yeah. Oh, of course. <laughs> E-bombs world. <laughs> Social autopsy. It's a terrible name for a website. <laughs> oh, awful.
5: the worst. Yuck.
4: Autopsy?
5: The word not, autopsy?
4: Yuck doesn't flow off the tongue. Like, I'm not trying to look at no dead bodies on
5: here. I know, I don't get it.
4: So here's a, a video FAQ she did. It's you know, and we talked about this on the show where these, these fraudsters just tell them themselves. And it's very clear on all these how awful this company was.
3: How long do profiles last? Good question. Profiles last for 365 days. After a one year span, if the user that has been submitted hasn't done anything else, you know, hasn't really said anything that's bad, we totally believe in forgiveness and second chances and we will drop their name from our database forever.
4: Oh, 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 is that what you're going to do? You're going to you're going to you're going to drop their name after a year of putting them on a digital billboard and and
5: punishment.
4: You're
2: on
5: punishment for a year. Think about what you've done.
2: We'll also delete everyone's screenshots of your profile uh, yeah. that they've taken. Yeah. We're the only data collection in the world that will do absolutely nothing with your data after we've <laughs> gotten it. <laughs> here's,
4: here's this uh, one on bullying.
2: This
3: was a comment uh, from Erin from Connecticut. She said, The site this woman created actually can be used to bully if used improperly. Mm. Not that great. Um, thank you, Aaron, but that is actually not correct. So two things, the first is that we don't allow any commenting on our database because we do not want to foster any of the bullying that we are trying um, to rid the internet of. The second really important factor is that we do not allow people to search by keyword, meaning you can't go to our database and plug in um, Beyonce and then look at all the comments that were written regarding Beyonce and consider yourself a vigilante and trying to find those people and doing things to them. You also can't search our database for, you know, homophobia and then think that it's going to pull all of the comments that were written that were homophobic. Um, it just doesn't work like that. You have to search our database by name, meaning that you have to actually know who you are looking for. <laughs> a name like uh, Beyonce. Significantly decreases the <laughs> chance that anyone can abuse our database um, and use it for bullying.
2: It would be it, a better website what? if I could just search for Beyonce on there and find out what everyone. Everyone who's anti-Beyonce, like that, yeah. if, it, if it was just like anti-Beyonce.com yeah. and it just logged all negative comments about Beyonce and I could just look at those and find their names and address, I would actually subscribe to that website.
5: Justin, that is what Twitter is for and I'm going to miss it when it's gone.
2: <laughs> yeah. You know, like, in a, in a week. going. In a week.
5: It's, <laughs> it's we not going anywhere. Cra- don't know that. Craigslist
4: is run by like four people and it's been running yeah. for like 20 it's years. <laughs> it's running just fine.
2: It's running. The offices of Twitter look like the last... Scene from *The Fresh Prince of Bel Air*. There is nobody working here. <laughs> Just kicking dust. This, this
3: next one came from a journalist, uh, John from the Stanford Advocate, says: So Owens and her team will serve as judge and jury. Uh, Yes, John. Uh, That's sort of how it works when you have any company. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg and his team play judge and jury when somebody flags something as inappropriate and they decide whether or not they think it's inappropriate. So yes, from our, you know... For, you know, for our team, we decide what we think meets the standards of harsh language. Um, that's just what it means, you know, to own a company. You get to decide these things. Twitter decides oh. decides what's appropriate, what can be said, what can't be said on their database. And Instagram decides what's appropriate, what can and what cannot be said on their database. Um, so we, again, are not reinventing the wheel here. Um, we are deciding what is the language that we consider worthy of adding to our database. With that said, we are definitely not acting as the jury. Uh, we do not recommend these people get fired or recommend that boyfriends make up with their girlfriends. Um, we are just literally an archive of somebody's words. What people, you know, deduce from that or induce from that, you know, employers, universities.
4: That You know, this reminds me of in China, they have the social credit. And what they do mm. is they will uh, put the person's face on a billboard and say, don't work with this person. They'll say, really? you know, they put yeah, it on a billboard. They put it on a fucking billboard. And, oh. and so there was a story about this guy who's just walking around one day and he had gone through tough business times when the uh, economy in China went from producing like mining and raw materials to like more of a consumer economy. And he lost a lot of money. And then all of a sudden he sees his face on this billboard. This is like a bad credit. And he lost everything in his life. So, of course, the Chinese government wasn't like, hey, don't – you know, family, don't leave this man. But that's exactly what happens when you put someone's face on a billboard. They're going to get shook. And then you're meeting, the, you're meeting the standard of Candace Owens. I can't imagine what that standard could be.
5: I'm just realizing that we're witnessing, like, real-life reaction to trauma. Because if yeah. she really was traumatized by what happened in 2007 and by, like, text messages and stuff – this is her real life reaction to that. Like I'm gonna start a company that's gonna dox people for saying mean things on the internet. So and then
2: and then the final stage is her becoming Darth Vader right Yes I guess. yes.
5: yes. <sighs> it yeah, does happen no, eventually.
2: Yeah, yeah, she's yeah, she's trying to bring balance to the force here, mm-hmm. but like that, no, no, she's gonna end up destroying like all the Jedi. No, no, she, no. What I think here is like the sort of dark, like authoritarian undertones, and and then like kind of the light elevator music that's playing under it. Yeah,
5: here. and also just it. the the shifty camera work um, that's yeah. happening there as well. It just feels strange
2: there's some needless uh, uh capitalizations in there too which yeah. also is one reason why she needed to <laughs> probably become a trump supporter well, it's just like the why font? are judge and jury yeah capitalized
4: yeah. in the middle of the sentence <laughs> let me uh there's two more clips oh, no. i think these are my favorite
3: what if somebody creates a fake facebook on profile and so the screenshots that are being submitted aren't real um that is a fair question i think that uh the most obvious way to answer that is just to say, if somebody creates a fake Facebook profile pretending to be you, you've got a bigger problem than social autonomy, right?
2: <laughs> no, no, Wait. that is not, that is not, a, that is not an answer. Wait. You cannot say, <laughs> like if somebody, you better go
5: figure that out.
2: Yeah, yeah, place. yeah. It's like, no, you, you're you're ruining my life, and it's like, well, somebody else ruined your life first, so you oh, we amplified no it.
0: Man. Just
5: because I put gasoline on the fire does not yeah. mean that you should not ignore the original fire. You better go get that fire. You can't yeah. <laughs> sue BP for bringing the gasoline to the fire that you put
4: the gasoline on.
3: <laughs> oh my God. Um, which we have seen before. Obviously, we all know what a catfish is in this generation. We're a secondhand problem and not one that's really that much of a threat. We allow you to write to us, you know, and uh, we will investigate every claim if someone is purporting to be you.
4: We are a secondhand problem. And what, Candace is taking, fielding these these emails? Yeah, like, these... what? Are...
2: <laughs> Yeah, is she customer it, care. Yeah, is, is she's she's also the legal department. That's what I also yes. think is. Yeah,
4: a different hat on. Oh, my
3: God. <laughs> so again, your focus should be on the fact that somebody is pretending to be you. Um, we are not the first database that allows people to create user profiles. I could go on Facebook right now and say I'm Barack Obama. We're not reinventing the wheel here. And some of the questions that we're getting um, make it sound like, you know, like, oh, my God, what if someone makes a fake profile? You can do that on Twitter. You can do that on Instagram. You can do that, um, you know, on Facebook. Uh, so... We're not exactly uh, your biggest issue. With that said, um, if we do investigate and we are able to identify, obviously we do we do pull user information when things are submitted uh, that somebody did falsify a profile what we will then do is create a profile for that person since it is technically their words um and those profiles will never be removed from our database The 365 day clause does not apply to anybody that has falsified any screenshots
5: um so
4: god she's talking to be crazy
5: yeah. She's talking to me crazy on a frequently asked question. She's talking to me like an ex-boyfriend. Like, come oh, on. Yeah. You know that's not even the real problem. The real problem is those <laughs> people. You, and, you know, honestly, I could go on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, yeah. and make a fake account anytime. I got nothing to do with that. Understand. Yeah. Understand, understand. End of the day, I got oh, nothing my. to do with that.
2: That's not me. That's not me. That's, that's, not, me
5: that's that. not me. Come on, baby.
4: It's incredible. I don't understand how she's able to do this. Okay, this is she's my favorite. She's talking to me crazy. This is my favorite one. This goes to what you were saying, Ariel. I think this might be like very much connected to what she went through as a, a kid.
3: What about minors? We are seeing a lot of people that are showing concern for minors, and I guess this is sort of a two-pronged approach, which is first, you guys should be visiting the Terms of Service on Facebook and on Twitter because they thoroughly explain what it means to be a minor. Dear 12
4: year old, please go to the Terms of, of Service. Serves.
5: Again, she's talking yeah. like she's talking like a crazy gaslighty ex-boyfriend. Like, don't ask yeah. me. Ask the terms of service. You asking me too many <laughs> questions right now. Yeah. And,
2: it, and it's also if all of your policies are refer to what Facebook's doing, that's also like not a good sign of confidence for your company. What
3: it means <laughs> no. to be a minor and what you sign up and what you agree for when you check that box and agree to their terms of usage. Um, Pretty much, if you are a minor, you are not excluded from anything if you are posting in a public <laughs> place saying all
1: the things. Oh, my God. Said,
3: we stand by the fact that we think the oh best no. time to be on our database is when you are a minor because that's exactly what we're trying to do. We are trying to affect <laughs> their, you know, conscious when they're young so they know to use the Internet more responsibly when they're older.
4: Oh, my God. This is insane. Yeah, that we is. We want that's to traumatize, like, that's the, about the, yeah, let's traumatize the youth early so that they use the internet differently when they're older
2: if we can get a 12-year-old to kill themselves out <laughs> of shame then we've really gotten them a very like taught them a very important lesson and that's what our website is here for out of that's, way, they,
4: they won't be posting anything that's for sure no yeah, no. no more beast of material
3: no, more. <laughs> no <film. laughs>
2: no arm no foul the kid the kid had to move towns to
3: college. you're not you know, going out for a job it doesn't do anything to affect your livelihood in any way um, so we think that that's really honestly the best time for people to learn um, and by the way we don't want to exclude minors because minors are the ones that are killing themselves because of what they're reading online right we're seeing 10 yes, year olds 11 year olds 12 year olds that are committing suicide. suicides, yes. suicides are on the but they're reading on they're sites really like young, yours and it's because <laughs> no one's been able to get a hand on the bullying and they you know don't necessarily have the tools at that age to know how to cope with it. Um, so that's actually where we are trying um, to make the most change.
2: Yeah, I think the business decision but I'm actually kind of, I'm interested in her upbringing in Stanford. I don't want to speculate but I think, St- so Stanford has like poor minorities but I'm just speculating I don't I don't necessarily think she was one of them mm-hmm. and I, w- I wonder mm-hmm. if that and I think that may have been, I think and then kind of getting bullied by the white kids, I think I think there's kind of a disconnect of belonging for her to where she's kind of looking for places to Kind of aim because because the easy thing would have been to just get some black backup. There weren't, there wasn't, there wasn't any. Maybe in yeah, Stanford, because yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. uh, because of social class, right? Yeah, because uh, yeah. So I, I wonder how much like if I, this, like if she had just went to like Spellman in Atlanta for college, like yeah. she would have been like a black congresswoman or something. Her life would have mm-hmm. been completely different. Like,
4: and I think. Uh, to the like this from like her approach to minors reminds me of you know I don't know if you guys ever heard that this story I always feel like I this was like a lore where like the dad catches the kid smoking cigarettes and then to get him to stop smoking cigarettes he makes him smoke two packs of cigarettes in front of him kind of thing and it's like he's yeah. just fucking destroying this kid or is that how is that really the best way to do it
5: I agree I think she had money and and, and the only reason I think she had money growing up is because the dad and the NAACP were like behind her, and then she was able yeah. to do some litigation with um, her school. If yeah. you did not have the the money to do so, you would not do that. You would just be like, damn, this sucks. <laughs> They're trying damn. to tar and feather me. My God. <laughs> yeah,
2: could you yeah, I'm so if you know anything about like places like Connecticut and New Jersey, especially in the urban areas, like how marginalized poor minor more nor- minorities are, like the idea of harmful text messages. Like being a th- like like I gotta I couldn't imagine ever going up to like a black person that grew up in Camden, New Jersey, and going, "Do you want to see these message text messages they sent me?" And they'd be like, "The building across the street from my house has been burned down for fifty years." <laughs> yeah. uh, you know I'm what I mean? Just like,
5: get my boys and fight them.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you know, it's 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 like a complete like I I can't imagine having like. You know, like all racism is bad and she's like right to want to combat bullying. But the but the racism she faced, like as bad as it was, is not it's probably not what a poor black or Puerto Rican kid in Stanford is dealing with in their life. I mean, they
5: would probably deal with it, but in a very different way. Like, yeah, they would would beat the kid's ass. As a kid, I can't. Yes. (laughs) Or send them bullying messages back like it would just be a fight.
2: Yeah, they would beat the kids' ass, and then it would have been the worst thing. Then, like, it had been like these poor white boys were assaulted. By these black animals.
5: (laughs) So, (laughs) during the rise of Gamergate's conspiracy with social autopsy, Owens earned the public support of known right-wing Trump supporters, including, God, haven't heard this name in a while, Milo Yiannopoulos. How do I always say? Yiannopoulos? Yiannopoulos.
2: Milo actually had a uh, no harm, no foul policy when it comes to children as well, we found out. Oh, God.
5: (laughs) Christ. that,
2: that, That was the thing that messed up his career up. Uh, yeah, he was just like talking about why shouldn't you be able to just like I don't know have sex with a kid if you're an older man. Everybody's like,
5: what? <laughs> yeah. Like,
2: yeah. <laughs> I like these people because they 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 say so much crazy stuff <laughs> that, that they're, they're like surprised. Yep. Yeah, They get surprised. They say something and then it's like,
5: now we got to walk away. It's kind of like with Kanye too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, Whoop. what
4: happened?
5: That what that's happened? the end of all that. <laughs> just want to touch too far, just a touch. So yeah, she earned the support of Milo and Mike Chernovich. Cern- Soon after gaining their acceptance, Owens made a quick 180 turn into a traditional conservative point of view. She credits social autopsy into turning her into the conservative figure we know today. <laughs> she acknowledged this in her one of her now deleted YouTube videos. Um, in 2017, Owens started her own right-wing commentary YouTube account, simply called Candace Owens. One of the videos that launched Owens into fame was her video titled, Mom, Dad. I'm a conservative. Ugh. A spoof of the popular coming out videos from the LGBTQ creators. The video was posted on July 9th, 2017 and has just under 1 million views. While she now has another YouTube channel through the right wing Daily Wire, she is still active on her personal YouTube page. So let's pause there for now and we'll come back next week with her rise as a right wing star the terrible thing she said about George Floyd and a Chinese phone she tried to sell. Yeah,
4: it's super. I, it's called the Freedom Phone. I can't wait to talk about it, but uh, I'm super pumped. <laughs> it's gonna be great. <laughs>
5: it's like the Rush Card, but for phones.
4: <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, Carrie Budge was our producer on this episode. Carlos Fonseca edited this episode. A big thanks to Demetrios Patelis for uh, legal research and Emily Fusco for research on Candace Owens. And I want to also thank Arielle for being on the show. And of course, this has been a production of Zero Cool and Last Podcast Network.